Hi, and welcome to Comchurch Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. We've been blessed in this church uh, to have a great legacy of ministry. And... uh, Many people have come under that, and we know that God is so faithful. And a couple of years ago, a few years ago now, uh, we're going to talk, maybe they can talk a little bit about dates and precisely and why those are. But we're going to talk about two years, two months. Some of you might go, what's significant about that? Well, two years, two months ago, pastors Julian and Sarah took on the leadership of this church. Now, some of you might go, well, I'm sure it's a bit longer than that. Well, they'll explain that in a moment, why that is. And so what we are going to do this morning, um, we thought it'd be nice just to um, go over some, so we're going to ask some questions and get some answers and responses from them about certain things, about that journey. Because we're all on a journey, aren't we? All on a journey of faith. God is teaching us new things all the time. God is building us and growing us and uh, extending and expanding us, stretching us. And sometimes that is a little uncomfortable. Sometimes those things are woo. And other times those things are, oh, no, this is so hard. But he's with us through all those, right? Whether it's tough, whether it's great, whether it's good, whether it feels awful, God is with us through all of that. And he said he will never leave us nor forsake us. And so we are going to um, talk uh, this morning about how that looks for these guys and what that means for Com Church as a whole. And so, uh, first of all, what we're going to do, we're going to ask a question, and these, these two guys, and it went quite well this morning, don't you think, Reflections? It was all right? It was all right? Um, we discovered that, uh, um, that when one speaks, the other one is he picks up on that, and then they both point at each other and said, you spoke for too long. So this morning, hopefully, uh, <laughs> but it's because they're both great. They're excited about what they're doing, so it's great. All right, so, Julian and Sarah, uh, we're going to start off with something positive. We're going to start, well, it's all positive, really, because um, it's all for God's glory. But what has been, over these two years, two months, what has been your biggest joy so far? <laughs> you always make me go first. You went first the last time, I think. Well, no, actually, what happened last time? Yeah. What was your biggest joy so far? And Sarah went and pointed to Julian and to I go went, first. And we went, oh, first, so not. Julian was Sarah's biggest joy so far, is what not, we discovered. Was my biggest joy. Can you hear me okay, everyone? Can you hear me at the back? Yeah? Okay, great. So, yeah, biggest joy. I was saying these are, these are tricky questions because, as in life, so much joy and so much challenge is intermingled and interwoven, isn't it? And um, but I think... And it's not a, a twee bumper sticker answer, but the joy for me has really been seeing God work his purpose out in me and in others around me. And um, what, what's been amazing is that even, you know, when someone might see a calling or you have a calling on your life, like right from a, a teenager, that's not something I really focused on. That wasn't my focus. You know, I... I married him because I thought he was hot. That is it. Like, literally. How right you are. Yeah. How right you were. At the tender age of 13, and I'm like, 
Right, all you 13-year-olds. We didn't get married at 13. We didn't get married at 13. Just, just um, don't we start any rumours. courting or dating at 13, and this is why youth pick carefully, pick well, even at 13, or don't leave that for a little while. But anyway, but I, I, I knew that I saw the hand of God on my life right from that age, and so I know the youth are here tonight, and uh, here this morning, and, and I want you to listen to that, that, do you know what? I didn't have this big... Angel come and say to me, Sarah, one day you will pastor the church because I'd have probably punched him or her in the face. But it was just, I just thought about things differently to my, even my peers in the church and out of the church. There was just something. And I think what my greatest joy over these last couple of years have been, because Julian will share his own side of it as well, but it, we didn't have ambition to be pastors. We didn't have, that wasn't an ambition or a goal. And, but what's amazing is that now when I'm doing the role and we're in the role, I see how God has started shaping me, even back at 13 and 14. God has started shaping me and just the way I naturally think and just the way I naturally process things and I gravitate towards different people. So the biggest joy was to see that God actually had had his thumbprint on me right from back then. And, and so I guess I'm really passionate that I want that for, for every person. And, and the biggest joy is... Um, yeah, seeking first God's kingdom and seeing what he does. That is the biggest joy. Um, and also seeing God come through. And I said, you know, we, we're constantly on this road thinking, we actually don't have a clue what we're doing. Like, we'll, we'll muddle through, but we don't. We don't have a clue what we're doing. But what we want to see is God's hand move. And that's what we do see constantly. And that excites me. Because it isn't of man, and it isn't of woman, and it isn't of an agenda. It's it's what we're seeing, what God wants to do. And that is super joyful and that is super exciting to me. Absolutely, absolutely. I, um, the greatest joy for me has been the people of our church. And we have a very, I'd say, quite a unique leadership kind of um, structure and how we, how we do leadership in this church. We kind of shake the pot and the, the big stones rise to the top. Have you noticed that? You shake, you shake things and then the big stones rise to the top. And one of the greatest joys for me... Or the gold. The gold yeah, rises the gold rises to the top. Or the creamer goes to the top of a cup of coffee. Everybody knows yeah, about coffee. But the best goes to the top, right? And one thing that's really been amazing for me is to see people that have come into the church. They're not here because they either connected with my dad before me or because Sarah and I are the leaderships, but the leadership of the church or to the SLT. They're not connected with that. They just know that God has placed a calling on their life and this is the house that they've chosen to make their home and then they've turned that into ministry and they've turned that into leadership. And I've just had the amazing experience over these last couple of years of just seeing those nuggets of gold come to the top. And then it's Sarah's, Sarah and my job and the leadership team and creative team's job and the trustees' job to come behind you and go, wow, what can we do to resource you in what you want to deliver and what God's telling you to do? And then we've seen some amazing things. I mean, just look at that amazing exploits happening in Uganda. That's because, that's a perfect example of what some, something someone's life that has risen up and we've gone I wonder if maybe together we could be more powerful than we would have been on our own and I've seen a lot of a lot of great joys in in just the first two and two years two months of being senior pastor of this church amazing things that amazing people have done and that is the highlight for me <laughs> okay 
and that's, that's, that's great, isn't it? Um, to see that and instill and continue on. Um, and that's quite an amazing thing. Now, we've said it a few times, and those who are particularly, um, I don't know what the word is, those who are particularly uh, sort of like, you know, you, you're, you're good at creating times and stuff, people might go, surely it's been longer than two years, two months. But do you want to kind of explain why that we've picked those dates in particular uh, for you and your journey? Yeah, well, two, two years and two months ago, my father passed away. Actually, I stepped in the role as senior pastor and was launched by the leadership team and asked to take the role on in the November before that. But I just, even if I'm honest with you, between the November and the April, and the April when my father passed away, I still didn't know if I wanted to be the senior pastor of a church. I hadn't had, I didn't, I saw how, what my dad went through for 30 years. I was a pastor's son. Why would I want to do, why would I want to get involved in doing anything like that? I saw what my dad went through and I was like, I still wasn't sure that that was something that I wanted to do. But on the day um, my dad passed away, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that that was something that I had to grab with both hands. And God said to me, no, now is the time for you to take on that role. So really, we've been in... in in the chair, if you like, for two years, two two months. So you had the you had the um, the position, but you felt the now's my time. Yeah, absolutely. The, yeah, yeah no, I was. Yeah, I didn't feel God saying to me, "This is something you definitely want to do." I wasn't necessarily at peace in my own heart, but the moment Dad passed away, I did know for sure yeah. the calling of God came. And that's quite encouraging to us all. Actually, sometimes there's a calling and a leading, but God says, "Just not yet," or or. He sometimes he, he, for whatever reason, maybe in our own heart, we might feel oh, I'm a little bit nervous, but then he prepares us. It's like, like Sarah was saying, you know, when you look, it's only when you look back sometimes you see um, that God has had a plan. Um, all right, so we've talked about biggest joys and some of those moments. Uh, and you, and for, for what, what you were just saying there, Julian, that you saw Pastor Doug, everything you went through with you and your mum and, and the whole journey, uh, the challenges they've gone through, for the time that you've been, what have been some of your biggest challenges? Oh, the biggest challenges in these two, two years, two months. Well, I mean, I look out at you guys. The challenges that you have in your life are the challenges that we take on. So for me to assume that pastoring a church is any way more challenging than what you've been through or what you face would be dumb of me because I've been involved in some crazy stuff with people's lives that are in... That we're, we're, this is just life together. Church should be messy, right? It should be messy. We're just doing life together. We're going through stuff. And I've had the privilege of sitting alongside people that have got very real challenges in their lives and had very difficult times. So for me to sit here and say that challenging the, uh, it's challenging to pastor the church, it's not. It's a joy for me to sit alongside you and help, help you through challenges. But I will say that comes from the very fact that in the moment that we took on this role, it came in challenge. So that calling that I just mentioned to you, that my dad passed away, on that very time, in the middle of the biggest challenge that as a family we were facing, was the time that the calling came to me the strongest. And the, the, um, in the middle of that huge challenge, God said to me, no, now is the time you've got to take what your father was doing before you and take it with both hands and do it. This is your moment. And I felt that very strongly through that moment of challenge. What happened two weeks, within weeks of me taking on that role as well, a 
catastrophic life challenge where the rug of your whole life is pulled out from underneath you. If going through the death of your father isn't enough, then a I can't, I'm not talking too much about it this morning, but my life changed completely. I saw um, family members of people that I love dearly have their hearts ripped out by a big deception and something that just ripped the rug out under all of our lives within weeks of losing my father. And I have to tell you that at that point, after receiving the calling on my life that, you know what, I accepted it and I took it and all of a sudden all these forces came against me to say you should never have taken that. You've got the biggest challenge that you're going through. So personal challenges don't get put on hold just because you accept your calling in the Lord. I want to, like I just said this morning when we were talking in the preamble about missions being the heart of all of us, the second you accept that mission and you get on the, we use the um, the picture of train tracks here in church, don't we? The, the great compassion and the great commission that we keep our two train tracks that everything happens here in church on. If it wasn't for those two train tracks, for God's calling in the middle of the challenge, I wouldn't be here to do it today. Two years, two months is a massive testimony. I could have been on a spiral of thinking that would have taken me downwards of I can't even explain the challenge. You wouldn't even imagine it, how difficult that time was. But two years, two months later, we're sat here. We're giving testimony to God's goodness. We're seeing that God does amazing things when we stay on the train tracks. If it wasn't for those two train tracks in our lives, I wouldn't be sat here this morning, Sarah. Yeah, and I think like the greatest joy is people and the greatest challenge is people is the is the same way as said they're intermingled. And I think it's been interesting to see like people that you thought were maybe gonna be building alongside you aren't there. People that you thought were gonna be growing things with you aren't there. And and that's the same in any walk of life of everybody, isn't it? That you can go through a time of change or a time of and you think you knew the people that are gonna be there and they're not and that that's weird. Relationships change, dynamics change. So all of that, you know, you just, you get used to that. That's Absolutely. If, if back then, as that, my, my father was getting sick, for anyone visiting, was getting sick with cancer for the last few years of his life, and Sarah and I were really taking a lead role in church anyway, but the mantle didn't pass till he passed away. Um, but if we were to write then who we would be leaning on today, who, who the people then that were in our lives that we would be able to put a firm shoulder on, they're going to lean on them. Um, many of them are not here. There are some amazing people that I can just lean on, that I know. I want to really appreciate the leadership of this, this church. There are amazing people. I think Sarah's nailed it. The biggest challenge people, the biggest joy people in, in church life. But yeah, we would... The people that we thought we would just lean and, and would just be there, they aren't. And that's a funny feeling. Like, I don't know if, if you think you're leaning on people in your life. You can't rely on people. That's why we need to sing about the name of Jesus that's high and lifted up, that by all men will be saved. The name of Jesus is the only one that you can lean on and that you can count on. Um, on, on that, just go, go a little bit personally for, for you guys. Uh, and I want to I say this because uh, I want us to all hear, actually, some of us have aspirations to, to, to lead and do things and uh, be in certain positions. And something Sarah said this morning in, the, in Reflections, which I just want to touch on in particular, you said about how sometimes 
leadership can be lonely in a lonely place. Uh, how have you found? And well, no, but it is, and, and, and it's we're, we're just being honest and real here Didn't. this morning. Um, just for those who uh, have, you know, you find yourselves in certain to lead in certain positions, because what will happen is um, the the people also, because you talked about the people around you, the way they perceive you changes, friendships change, the way that they confide in you will change because of of how God placed you, and we see it in the Bible. So, how have you have you felt? found that being something that, that you can relate to, something that you can um, maybe share your experience about? <laughs> I left that bit out because I thought I sound like a beg. No, so no, 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 no. Because like... I think it's useful for many people. <laughs> oh, I was like, oh dear. No, and, it, and it's true. And this is the thing. And this is, I think this is really our heart is that we have got to fix our eyes on Jesus. And it's really easy to say, but I think the reason, and again, I said to Julian, I don't want this morning to be really narcissistic and just talking about us. And that's not the purpose. But our purpose is that often people can have just a misconception that it's, it's easy because your job and your life is all a, around the church and it's not because life doesn't stop and life still happens even if you're pastoring a church and and we know that there's attack as well and spiritual attack and in all those different areas and and the bible says doesn't it everything that will be shaken will be shaken and only that which will remain stands firm and and that's absolutely true that definitely happened in in the first couple of years and and that's the thing is that we can't lean And again, it's a bit of a dumb dichotomy. You're not leaning on people, but yet we're building together. And I think that's the biggest, uh, one of our biggest messages, and we'll get onto that as well in a minute, is that we're here to build together. We're not here to run an empire or to, you know, we don't need it for our egos. We're not interested in that. But we want to build kingdom. We want to build the kingdom of God and advance the kingdom of God. And and that's what he was saying, that everything is about multiplication. We're not less than, we're more than. We're not the, the tail, we're the head. And, and, and I just think that in that, sometimes it does get lonelier. Sometimes it does get, you know, and, and I've got great friends that God has put in my, in my way and in my, in my place. And God always restores. Anything that's stolen, he will restore. So I just want to encourage you. And I'm just hoping that everything that we share today, you can go, oh, yeah, I know what that feels like. And there is, there is something there and there is hope. And, um, but the thing is, you realize really quickly that actually you've got to be 100% reliant on God. And that's an easy thing to say but sometimes when it pushes you to that you can either be offended by somebody or you can go okay I know I've got a face I've got to keep my face straight I've got to carry on I've got to do what God has called me to do whatever's going on to the right and the left and you know you just have to do you know all that one you know what that means don't you? you have to you have to fix your eyes on Jesus because you know church there's too much compromise there's too much oh, I'm going to live one way just because then I don't want to stick out. And and Rob said it the other week. My favorite saying is, why try so hard to fit in when you are born to stand out? We're not supposed to fit in. And I hear it, you know, I was talking to you, I hear it quite often that, you know, I I don't feel like I fit in here and, and I don't feel, and I'm like, well, nearly everyone I hear says they don't quite fit in. We're not, we're not called to fit in. We are not called to fit in. We are called to build. That's what we're called to do. 1 Peter. I read it in Reflections this morning. I've got it here. 1 Peter 2. Um, 
1 Peter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Some versions have peculiar in here as well. You're quite peculiar uh, looking at you lot this morning. Peculiar fits well. Uh, that, you may, uh, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We're meant to stand out. We're meant to be in the light. That's what we're called to do. Once you were not a people, but you are now a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We're different. We are meant to stand out. And, and that's really true. I love that. I love that, Sarah. Thank you. And, that, and that's why I wanted to, to point that out, because many of us will need to hear that this morning. You know, it, it is. And as leaders, uh, I mean, when you come to Leadership Com, this is why we try to do that and share that as leaders, as people. But as believers out there in our workplaces, we are going to stand out. Light stands out in darkness, and we can't hide that. The Bible encourages we don't put it under a bushel. We don't hide that light. It cannot be hidden. We should not do that. And actually, that becomes very, very difficult. And so where I was saying about a lonely place, actually, some of us will be in workplaces. We are the only Christian and we may be isolated, and we will be persecuted because we will be persecuted for his name. And actually, it can be tough, but we should be encouraged that, you know, God is going to do an amazing thing. God is going to do a mighty thing. And as difficult as it can be, we must, must, exactly what these guys are saying, we must rely on Jesus completely and fully and his word. And you've just shared an amazing word there from, from the Bible. So are there any particular scriptures that you've clung to over this time that might, uh, that to encourage others, encourage yourself, but things that you've held closely to? We know it says, like, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. The word is good. So what have you clung to? Uh, definitely in Proverbs. And again, this is so sappy, but uh, when I was probably about 15 or 16, Julian bought me a Bible and he wrote the little verse at the front. Ah. But... Um, <laughs> But it is, it's, it has actually over these, you know, more and more real, which is just trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path or make your path straight. And, and it's one of those scriptures. And this is, you know, I was chatting to Ollie earlier and some of the guys at the worship leaders, and I was like, do you know what? I've perpetuated it really badly myself that we have almost like we've, we've made worship and we've made coming to church somewhere to consume, somewhere to come and get your fix come and get what of God you need and then go home and try and get through the week as best you can until you come and get your next fix on the next Sunday and I was like that's not the God that I serve that's not the relationship that he wants with you he is all powerful all consuming but he's he's so much more than just that and and this is what I was I was really clinging on to myself is okay I've got to trust in the Lord with all of my heart and not lean on my understanding not try and work everything out not try and get to the bottom of everything not think that I'm God's gift to whatever do you know what I mean it's it's not that and but that he will he is faithful to direct your path he is faithful to lead you you might only see the next step and and that's all he's ever done with me is I don't ever I've not seen the bigger picture I see the next step. I see the next little bit that we're gonna that we're gonna do. So, any others for you? Um, yeah. So that that's one that's really. And then, sort of molding into the next question is the seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And, and as I said, that's the scripture that I just have lived my life on because, you know, we were talking these 
little plug. Dee's been doing amazing Bible calm on a Tuesday. There's one more. There's one more, isn't there? And it's been, it's been really interesting because she's been talking about the fivefold ministry. And this is what I'm saying. It's so funny because people can call things out in you before you even realize it, maybe yourself. And, you know, God has anointed certain people to do certain jobs. But I was saying, and, and Emily and I were talking, and we were like, but you don't have to worry about the calling, even at a young age or whatever. You don't have to go, oh, right, I need to just sit in my room and work out what my calling is. Maybe there's a quiz. Maybe there's a, you know an online survey there are online surveys but anyway but what I love and what I've seen is that if your focus is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness all these things will be added unto you and and that's what's so amazing and and they're the 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 few I mean there's tons of scriptures I'm like they just vomit out of me but that that's what I love because basically fundamentally if you hear nothing else church this morning it's just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you so all those things that you come heavy with your hearts heavy you know with your burdens and you're coming you're like oh God let me do a little bit of worship and that will just help me carry my burden a little bit longer how many of us do that give me a little bit of worship and I'll carry my burden a little bit longer. No, no, no. He just says, give me the burden. Cast it. Cast the burden. Like we don't, it, it, Christianity, worship, it doesn't work like any other self-help, mindful, whatever, whatever, whatever. He's all. He's everything. He's above and beyond. He's Alpha and Omega. And sometimes I think, church, we have to remember again and why we did the red letters, why we went back to the words of Jesus. Because... Uh, I'm getting on to the next question. Keep I'm going to shut up. Going. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just sitting and listening Clap. now. Because, <laughs> no, I'm, do you want to do anything else before? The okay, do the next question it's and then right. we'll go. Keep going, it's all right. I can go sit down. I'm quite happy. You know, it's great. I know. Um, it's, what's on your heart? No, well, um, <laughs> oh, is it it's not the next question. Oh, no, sorry. Not, well, it can be. No. no. But it's, it, what? So that, there is that, there is that. But okay. we can change it around. There's no, no there's carry no on. Fix. I'm getting ahead um, of myself. But that's all right. Don't, don't worry about it. All right, Julian. <laughs> What's the question, Rob? Uh, uh, thank you very much. So lessons you've learned, important things that you've learned. What lessons have we learned? Years. What's, what lessons yeah. have we learned? You know what? When we took on um, the pastor in this church, I really felt God say to me, don't change anything in the first couple of years. I really felt that we would sit, not make any changes for a couple of years, see what God was doing, like slot into the role and just take that. But God made changes that were completely out of my control. So if God wants something to change, he'll change it. So I want to encourage you, be open to God changing stuff because that makes life an adventure. I didn't actually purposefully go ahead and make a lot of changes or changes in position or leadership and all moving things around. But it was forced on me because God wanted it to happen. So God did it. So I just rely on God and go, God, you lead on change. But I want to say this, church. We've got two options. And um, change will leave a better taste in your mouth than irrelevance will. I want to put that out there this morning. If you embrace irrelevance in your life, the taste is disgusting and it will leave a horrible aftertaste. So your choices of change and irrelevance, choose change every time, every single time. And church, we're sat here on the edge of something. I'm two years in. 
And I'm like, this is the time I thought, well, let's, let's change things. Let's mix things up a bit. Let's, let's see what God wants to do. Um, the changes that have come up until now have been forced on us when we were trying to be patient. Um, but now we cannot be a church of irrelevance in our community, in our town, um, in around here. There, there are pe- people looking to us to be the forerunners and the leaders. And in order for us to do that, you, us, we need to be open to God's change. There's my biggest lesson in the first two and a half years. Mm, there's been a hundred. I can't really... Yeah, we don't have the time for a hundred. Yeah. Can you pick one or two? Um, hmm, no, next question. Okay. I can't think of one. There's been so many. I can't, cho- I can't choose one or two. So let's not go... Yeah, let's not go with a hundred. Yeah. Um, all right, so... I mean, that, that's, that's really important, I think, um, for all of us, actually, when, when things do change, whatever, to cling to God and embrace what he's doing because, actually, he's the relevance in our lives. You know, he's the thing that will, if we follow him, he will take us to the places he wants us to be. Um, and that's really, really important. So thank you for that. Um, oh, this is, on that, okay. So for the last two years or whatever, two and a bit years, What's the best piece of advice that you've been given? I know there's a next question, but I thought that would be an interesting one. So you go, actually, that was great advice. Um. So we didn't, we didn't say this question earlier, so I've just kind of dropped it on them, but I thought it might be an interesting one. I'm trying to think. I think not to hold tightly mm, is a great. good thing. Um, so, and in that means is... You know, you keep things loose, people loose, you keep agendas loose, you keep um, programs loose, you don't hold tightly to things and, um, yeah, always be ready for God to direct you and direct people to where you want to go. I think I, um, the best bit of advice I've had is honour your father and mother and you'll live a long life. I'll put that out there. Um, it's been a privilege to step into this role, but if I in any way undermine the foundations that this house were built on, the whatever we build next will come tumbling down at some point in the future. And I want to honour my father for what he built in this church, and I want to stand, I stand on his shoulders. Um, and um, my mum sat here today, and the biggest advice that I get from her is, own it, son. Own it. Like, so we get put in a position, I've got to own it. I might make a huge mistake. I might pass to this church in a way that you think, man, what is this guy doing? He has no clue. He hasn't been to Bible school. What does he know about pastor in a church? And in my ears, I've got my mum, own it, son. Own it, son. So um, that's what I'm doing. I'm sitting here owning it. And um, I want to honour... I do. I want to put honour because you can't go wrong. The Bible says, give honour to whom honour is due. Um, and the generations that have gone before us in this church, we were with, we were with, so our oldest member that has been in the church for the longest time, Iris is our oldest member, but Pam Benjamin has been in our church since maybe when Sarah joined the church. So I'd say 20 plus years, 25 years. So she's our oldest, our oldest member that has been in the church for the longest time. And she's 
in that stage of life having health difficulties. And Sarah and I had the privilege of going, taking communion with her this week. And we sat at the side of her bed and her face lit up and she said, the happiest I ever am is when I'm in church with you guys. And I just thought, whoa, I needed to hear that. I needed some encouragement today that there's somebody in our church that thinks... The happiest I ever am is when I'm in church. And that's why we're going to continue doing what we're doing. No matter what the world throws at us, no no matter what things look like, that's why we live. That's why we do what we do. And I really see it. I know everybody's hit up on how do we reach millennials? How do we reach that generation? I think we reach them by honouring the generation that's gone before us and showing the next generation how you honour the generations in, in your life. And if you want to see breakthrough, don't try and be relevant to the millennials. Try and honour the, honor the, that that has gone before. See, that's There's a mic my drop moment right there. The, that was a boom, rock off. See, so young, young people, youth <laughs> particularly, no, that's, I know it's all of us, this is why you're in the service this morning. That God knew that this moment, there's something that's going to be said by the pastor like that. We need to honour above. If you're, if you're wondering what church is all about and how I fit in, how does it all work with my life, look up and honour those above you. There you go. That's just that's something for all of us. Yeah, honour our mother and father. What a promise that God gives us for that. And that is a great bit of truth right there. So talking about truth, talking about honour, talking about things that, because um, we're talking about God and putting him first. So looking from where you are now, looking ahead and looking at right now, what is God saying to the church? What is God saying to you and where we are going? What is God saying? Yeah, so I think... He's saying to the churches, pick up your tools. He's saying, like, let's start building. We, we were talking the other Monday, and we were just thinking about different things in the church. And I was just like, guys, how can we even pastor an audience? You, you just, you can't pastor an audience, can you? And so I think our heart really is now, it's, we're not interested and we're not praying for seats to be filled to be filled. We're not interested in growing an audience, growing you know, uh, a crowd, because the crowd will always be there. Of course, we want visitors. Of course, we want people coming in. But where our hearts really are is, you know, let's seek first that kingdom. But let's, and and for everyone to be on that journey, we're all going to be at different parts of the journey. And and it doesn't mean, you know, to be a full-time minister doesn't mean you have to be a full-time minister. Do you see what I mean? You don't have to be in a position. But if you're 100% sold out for Jesus, you can do that in your job. You can do that wherever you are. And and I just think it's time, you know, my real passion at the minute is, you know, is Jesus part of your life or is he the point to your life? And that's the, my message that I really love. Is he part of your life or is he the point of your life? Is he the point to it? And that's the thing is that, you know, it's all right for us to wander through and it's all right for us to to, you know, when we're at first maybe new Christian or we're looking or we're seeking, that's fine. But if we've been here for five years, if we've been here for 10 years and we're still on the peripheral edge and we're not really building, that's, it's like, guys, come on. Jesus wants us to build. He was an all in, all all or nothing. He is an all or nothing God. And, you know, and unfortunately, fortunately, however you want to say it, but And we started reading, looking at some of the red letters. Earlier in the year, we looked at just the Beatitudes, just the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And church, I want to encourage every one of you to go back and read those Matthew 5 to 7 chapters. Just have a read through them again, because 
again, you know, we hear of different things and don't get us wrong, we still want to pray with you. We still want to hear when there's stuff going on. We absolutely want to hear that. But then a lot of time, I'm like, in general life, you can just see people plodding along and you're like, have you even picked up your Bible? Do you even know what the Word says? And that's what I want to encourage us to make so that we could stand autonomously with God and, and know what to do and know how to live and, and know that there is a hope that's beyond all hope. And, and that's the Christian hope. And that's what I'm saying. We're not an organization that are just there banding together making life a little bit better. We're a group that have got this amazing hope in Jesus Christ. And, you know, so you go and read the Sermon on the Mount. You know, I love to listen to podcasts. I, lo- I just love to listen to different preachers. And then I think, do you know what? You've got the minutes here. In Matthew 5 to 7, you've got the minutes of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. His actual words. Now, we're followers of Jesus, yeah? Everyone here followers of Jesus or you're looking to be a follower of Jesus. So his words and to listen to his sermon How many of you would be excited if Jesus was here in the flesh talking to you? Well, it's got it written down. We can catch up on that sermon. We can relive that sermon by listening. Now, it's just the minutes, but what he said were so important. But at the end, it then says, and again, this is a Bible story that we've all learned as children, probably. If we were at junior church, we'd teach it. And I thought, actually, when was the last time we read it in church? And it's in Matthew 7, 24, and it says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. So that's the Sermon on the Mount. There's hundreds and hundreds of nuggets of gold in that, in that one sermon. There is so many great ways of how to live and how to think and what to do. So many brilliant things. So if we put them into practice, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the, and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. And guys, we can see people that have been in church for years and years and years, but they they love the feels of the music. They love to have an, you know, a word, oh yeah, it makes me feel better. It's a nice place. I want to just feel peace. I feel calm. And then, but it's not really dropped here. It hasn't really dropped. And then when a storm comes, they're surprised that, well, where was God? What, why has everything crashed around me? But we're promised storms. Even however planted and however strong you are with the Lord, there will be storms and there will be wind and there'll be rain and there'll be, it will come and bat against you. But then there'll be times, and it's not easy. Can I tell you that the, the last two years dealing with the grief of so many different things wasn't easy for Julian, and I've seen that firsthand. But I've seen a house stand, even though it was battered hard. And that's the thing. It doesn't mean that there weren't times where he would cry or there weren't times where he was like, do I really want to get up today? Do you know what I mean? There were times. But when you're planted in the Word of God, when you're really planted in the Word of God, you do carry on. You move forward. And I just want that to be an encouragement to people, is that if at every crisis you're getting floored, start looking at your foundation again. Go right back to basics. Right back to basics again. And that's you've maybe got to dig that foundation a bit deeper But it can't be life with a side of Jesus. He wants all of you. He is a jealous God. We read that last week. He is a jealous God. He wants every single bit of you. So that's my, yeah. God's saying a lot. 
There you go. So the question, what's, what's God saying at the moment, right? Amazing. I think it is right on my heart is we can't grow an audience. This church cannot be interested in an audience. I'm inspired um, by... I, I said, when you come in here and our guys have got red T-shirts on and they're welcoming you, they're not there clicking numbers, counting how many people are in church on a Sunday. We just don't do it. Um, we don't count um, how many people are in perfections. And then here we've got every, every... As the year goes on, every year we produce an annual report that we put lots of numbers in about how many people come through this building. And it's a big number. And that's, that's the only thing we ever count for is to bring that report as, a, as trustees and to share with people how many people are coming through. But one thing I've learned is that on the outside of these walls and on the outside of every church in Dunstable is a whole lot more people than ever come inside the doors of churches. And it's that number that inspires me to do what I do. It's the number of people that are going to a lost eternity outside of here that we've got to reach that gives you a laser focus as a minister or as a pastor. That's the inspirational number that I want to count. How many people are outside the walls of the church this morning is, is the one that I want to know. And I say that because we could get four or five hundred people to come and sit in our church services. They come they offer one-seventh of their life to Christ. They, they humbly come before him for one-seventh of your life. I'm going to give God glory for one-seventh of my life on a Sunday morning. And I could get 500 of those people sat here and, you know what, we'll go to glory together having had a nice time. That's how it'll be. But if I could find the 50 or 100 people that are willing not to shape themselves on the culture of this world, but to become that priesthood, the set aside, yes, that become, that become even more in touch with God's word. Next week, I'm going to speak a word called out of touch. I had an amazing conversation. Actually, Paul Douglas, he's here somewhere. He sat at the drums. I had it with him. And the conversation was about how church around can be, is becoming out of touch with what a generation understands or what a generation knows. And as much as I want to ask, are we coming out, becoming out of touch as a church, I want to ask, what do we want to be in touch with? What are we actually seeking to be in touch with? Are we seeking to be Holy Spirit empowered? Are we seeking to be in touch with what Jesus tells us to be? And are we seeking to be more like Jesus? Because if we seek to be more like Jesus, the more we removed from popular culture we'll become. The more unlike the world we'll become. But I want to tell you this, church. If I can find 50 to 100 people willing to step aside and be those people, we'll be attractive to the thousands. We'll be attractive to the hundreds. We'll be attractive to the many thousands. So what I'm looking for and what I believe God is saying is we cannot be audience members as a church anymore. We cannot. We have to move and be in touch with what Jesus tells us we should be in touch with. And we need to be more like him. And that's what I feel we need to do. And if that means it's 50, if that means it's 100, I'm going to tell you, this place seats 700. For me, that's the starting point. There are 700 seats here, and I don't want to fill it with an audience. Nope. 
I want to find the 50 or the 100 that are going to shape their life like Jesus and then will be attractive to the first 700. Then will be attractive to the next million. And that's what I want to challenge you to do. That's what God's put on my heart. That's not easy to listen to. That means some Sundays won't look like you want them to. And um, I want to ask us, and I'm going to do it next week in a sermon, what do you want to be in touch with? Okay. Wow. Wow. And so we've almost come full circle. Almost come full circle. What's God saying? We need great compassion. We need to follow the Great Commission, which means actually laying down our lives, picking up our cross, following Him. And that will look peculiar to the world. That will seem we are out of touch with the world. But as we said earlier, we are a light, and the light looks weird in the darkness, and they don't like it, but without the Spirit, they cannot see it. But if we are, as Junior just said there, people of the Spirit, these things, let's follow the things that we've set, the train tracks that we set, the very things that set you in the position that you are, that kept you going, it's the same thing. As a body of people, we must follow and keep going, because when we do that, we have great compassion, the Great Commission. We will be in the place that God wants us. That's awesome. I think we're done. We're going to worship. But I, Rob, rather than, I'd really love to just pray over people. I want to encourage you. The calling comes in the biggest challenge. Uh, the, the roof that's on this building now, the week before the new roof got fitted, we had the worst storms. Do you remember a week, a couple of weeks ago? We're, we've forgotten because we've been in the sunshine for, for a little while, haven't we? We've been bathed in sunlight and we forgot. But the biggest storms came in the week before we got our new roof fitted on this place. So I want to tell you this. The biggest storms just come before your breakthrough, just before that moment when you're going to have the biggest victory. We're completely leak-free now, but like now it's sunny. Now, we don't, now it's not, not raining. But like, I just want to say that in the same way, God will call you and God will um, equip you and he'll have purpose and destiny for your life. But in that moment, you'll also find the biggest attack. And that's been where our journeys come and we want to pray over you if you'd all stand if that's okay <clears throat> thank you lord yes god i just pray right now father we just take this time to just repent as well and just say god we put you first we put you in your right place we put you ahead of everything else father god and i just pray in jesus name that, Lord, that you would start now by your Holy Spirit to stir an excitement, Father God, in the people. Lord, I thank you that, Father God, we sang it. You know my name, and you really do. You know my name. You know my personality. You know everything about me, Lord God. And you knew me better than I know myself. You saw and you knew what you'd predestined for me to do, Father God. And I just pray for every person in this place here that, Lord, there is a job for each one of them to do. That, Father God, we are workers and builders of your kingdom. That, God, you are a God of multiplication, Father God. Lord, that our lives are never supposed to get smaller when, we're, when we follow you. But our lives are always supposed to be growing and getting bigger, Father God, in you. And I just pray in Jesus' name that this week that people will start going, okay, God. I give you everything. I put you first, even though I want to do this more. I put you first, even though I want that person more. I, but I put you first and I choose. 
And I just pray that in Jesus' name, I thank you that, Lord, you are no man's debtor in any area. And that, Father God, even though it does, we're not promised an easy life, but that, God, we're promised a stable, standing, Father, firm in the wind and the rain and the storm. And I just pray over every person right now that, Holy Spirit, right now, you would just bubble an excitement up. That, Father God, a life with you is a life of excitement. That, God, you didn't just come to save us, even though that would have been amazing. You didn't just come to save us and get us a ticket into heaven. But you came, Father, that there would be life and life abundantly. Not rainbows and lollipops, but an abundant life. And in that, there's a time to plant, to dig, to sow. It's work, Father God. But in that, there's so much joy. Return the joy of the first salvation, Lord God. Return the joy, Father God. We thank you that, Lord, you created us. You are the ultimate manual keeper of our lives, Father God. You know everything about us, Lord Jesus. So God, we stand here and we say we trust you. We trust you with our lives, Lord God. We trust you with our families, Lord God. We look to this situation here and that situation there and we don't know how you're going to do it, but God, we say we trust you. And Lord, I just thank you for this excitement, this adventure that you have each one of us on. And I thank you that you haven't let us down yet. And you're not going to start now, Father God. So I just pray that, Lord, this week, as people just fix their eyes on you, as they turn their ears to what is it that you want them to do, that, Father God, you would speak. And that, Lord Jesus, anything they feel like they might be missing out or they've laid down because of you, that, Father God, you will show that you have more than, you are greater than, you are bigger than, Father God, any of those things. And, Lord, I just thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your holiness. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit that empowers us to live for you, Lord Jesus. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless. God bless.